Hey, good morning and welcome. So excited to have you with us today on what is hopefully our last live stream only service. Can you believe it's been nine weeks of doing this already? Uh, To put it in perspective, I was talking to Hannah this morning. Today's Thursday as I record this. And we were talking and going, you know, if this was just starting today, we wouldn't be having the conversation about coming back until late July. That gives you some perspective on on how long now that we've been apart. But uh, thankfully, Lord willing, we're going to be back together next Sunday. So that's pretty exciting, May 24th. And I'm looking forward to seeing you. Uh, you know, I had a, had a Zoom call this morning. There's a group of pastors, most of them from Illinois, free church pastors that I get together with and connect with. And for them, they're talking like uh, in their parts of Illinois, mostly around Chicago, that it's going to be at least July before they can start getting together again. And so uh, I'm so thankful for where we are and our opportunity here next week. Uh, but what was really funny is they were looking to us for ideas of how are you guys coming back? What are you doing? Uh, you guys are kind of jokingly, you know, you guys are living in the future. You get to go before us through all this. And they asked, you know, some good questions. You know, how are we, how are we dealing with people coming at it from all different sides of the issue? And, and what are we telling everybody? And, uh, you know, I, I just told them, I said, well, I'm just reminding our people over and over of the New Testament's remedy for conflict. You know what it is, right? To love one another. Because the reality is there's different sides to this issue, right? So as we come back next week, everybody's going to have an opinion and that's okay. And each one is valid and it's okay. But it's kind of like, even when you think of, you know, how this is divided in terms of politics, there's red and there's blue. And as a church, we kind of come together and and form kind of this purple. We just want to make sure it's a purple where we're uh, meshing together well and loving one another and not the purple of just being bruised by one another. So again, just remind you of Philippians 2.4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And Paul's uh, letter to the Corinthians, you know, he says, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. And in Romans 14, he talks all about these things, caring for other people, putting their interests first. And in Romans 15 too, let each of us then please his neighbor for his good, for her good, in order to build them up. So I'm just reminding you again, uh, not because I don't trust you, but because I love you and uh, we need to be reminded and spurred on with the truth that uh, when we come back next week, how we go about it is going to be vital. It's going to be vital to uh, the, the relevance and authenticity of the gospel for so many in our community. So Just a few reminders, please follow some of the guidelines we put out in terms of physical distancing. We're going to have rows separated. Um, Please honor that. You know, if if you're excited to be back, I think you will be if you're coming, uh, be cautious about how you approach other people. Maintain that distance for their good and for the good of others who may be anxious and fearful. And I would also encourage you, you know, if you show up for the nine o'clock and you walk in and it's packed, everybody, for whatever reason, comes to nine o'clock, maybe you'd think about just heading out, going out for coffee, getting breakfast, and coming back for the 1045. Remember, we we just want to put others first and show them that they're loved and just show a ton of grace. You know, I mentioned that meeting with other pastors today. I bragged about you today. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm really confident 
that our people are going to do a great job. And I just said, you know, some of our core values, one is that it's all about Jesus. It's not about us. And we embrace that, right? And, and that we have no sacred cows. We're willing to just lay down our own preferences, our own opinions, all of that for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of loving one another. And, and I, just, I have no doubt you're going to come back next week. It's going to be a great morning, both services. And even for those of you who choose to join us online, 9 o'clock, 1045, and, and it's going to be a great morning. And I'm confident that the way you go about it is going to absolutely reflect that giant sign as you walk in that you are loved and people are going to feel that from you. I can't wait to see you next Sunday. And hey, if you're brand new this morning, my name is Josh, and I'm the lead pastor here at Wawasee, and I'm really glad that you're here with us and invite you to either continue on the live stream next week or join us at 9 or 1045. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you're with us today. Maybe you'd fill out a Connect card. Just click that Connect With Us button at the top of your screen, and we'd love to have a record of, of your time with us today. Well, hey, we're in a series called Uncertain Certainty because Everything now for weeks, for months, has been uncertain. So we're looking to the one who is certain, to Jesus. Because he, he, he deals with uncertainty, with great calm and great resolve and great wisdom. And he has much to say about how we should go about those things as well. So we're looking to Jesus through these days. And uh, Today, you know, I mentioned our friends in Illinois and other states being envious that we're able to gather together again next week. And it's reminded me that, um, because in our conversation we talked about it, that there are going to be a lot of different responses. There already have been and there will be different responses to all of this as we come back together. It's a little bit uncertain how everyone will respond, isn't it? Maybe it's even uncertain for you how you're going to respond because it will be new. It'll be different well, uh, in one of Jesus' parables, he speaks of uh, a handful of different responses to the same truth. And, and I think there's some good things in that for us to draw from and apply it directly to our own lives today and to our own situation right now. Because, um, number one, people are going to return and respond uh, return from COVID-19 and respond to our return in, in varying ways. And they're going to respond to the truth of God's word in different ways. And, and um, so look with me at Matthew chapter 13, and you're going to recognize this parable, most of you, but let's look at it again afresh this morning. Matthew chapter 13. It says, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Now, let me just stop there. That same day gives us a clue of kind of what's going on in Jesus' world in this time on that very day before he tells this parable. Well, he leaves the house, and there had been a lot of things that had happened already that day. First off, uh, he had been accused of being under Satan's power. Uh, he healed a demon-possessed man, and, and then... Uh, the Pharisees said, well, uh, you must be under Satan's power to do that. And Jesus was like, what are you talking about? If I was under Satan's power, why would I cast out a demon? A, a kingdom that's divided against itself uh, is, is laid waste and, and no house divided against itself can stand. That's, that's crazy. And so then right after that, the Pharisees, they request to see him perform a miracle. 
And I wonder if Jesus is kind of like, well, where were you like five minutes ago when I cast out the demon, the thing you were just complaining about? What do you mean see a miracle? And he goes on to teach them, and he's like, I'm not going to give you a sign. You've had plenty of them other than this, that just like Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days, I'll be buried in the earth for three days, and then I'll rise again. And that'll be a sign to you to believe. Well, as he's teaching this to the Pharisees and in that confrontation after they called him uh, uh, to be in league with Satan, his family shows up and knocks on the door of the house. And they're like, hey, is Jesus here? Uh, We'd kind of like to take him with us to go home. Uh, We think he may have just totally lost his mind because he's going a little overboard with all this church stuff. And so Jesus has conflict from the religious leaders, from his family, and Matthew tells us that, that he leaves the house here. It was Mark who told us in Mark chapter 3 that his family came to take him to be with. And, and he leaves the house, and he goes out of the house, past his family. He's had a busy day so far, and he sits down beside the sea. Well, the sea here is the Sea of Galilee, which is a big lake. So those of you, maybe you're watching this in Syracuse over around Lake Wawasee, just imagine Jesus walks down to the edge of the lake, and, and he sits down, and He just needed a break. But as he does that, the crowds continue to follow him. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and he sat down. And he pushes off from the shore a little bit and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And so Jesus took this opportunity to begin to teach them. That's where we find ourselves today. In fact, a few weeks ago, we looked at the the story of Jesus calming the storm Well, according to Mark, that actually takes place right after uh, the teaching we're going to read about today. So uh, let's just keep reading. It it says in verse 3, he told them many things in parables. Do you remember what a parable is, right? A a parable is just a story that's intended to illustrate or teach an attitude or a principle. It's a story it's engaging, but it, there, there's purpose behind it. It's meant not just to be a good story, but to actually teach us. And so w- when we know that Jesus is teaching a parable, we've, we've seen a few parables now in this series. Uh, Jesus tells us, and he'll say it today, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Lean in, pay attention. Because if, if you do, then you're going to learn. But if, if you're just here and you're not interested in learning, all you're going to get is a good story. Jesus used this technique to teach so that those who really uh, wanted to follow him and really wanted to know would lean in and learn, and those who were skeptical or just didn't care, it just kind of thinned the crowd a little bit. So I hope today that you hear from Jesus and from his spirit and don't just hear a good story. Lean in. Pay attention. So let's keep going. He told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But then when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And then you see there in verse 9, he who has ears, let him hear. In other words, pay attention. Jesus is trying to teach us something here with this story. 
Well, what's he trying to teach us? Well, let's work through it. First off, uh, you know, Jesus is telling what would have been a very familiar story to the people who were gathered around the beach around this, uh, at the Sea of Galilee listening to him teach from the boat. Um, he gives them a picture of a farmer out sowing seed. Maybe kind of like this, you know, just uh, he, he would have had a sack around his side full of seed and he would have just scattered it like you see this man doing. And as the farmer walked across the field, he would sow the seed and he'd throw handfuls of seed onto the ground from a large bag slung around his shoulders. And the plants didn't grow in neat rows, right? They didn't have like uh, all kinds of fancy machinery like we did do today. So even the preparation of the ground, there wasn't a whole lot they could do. You just take the seed and throw it out. And so in this parable, when Jesus tells this story about the farmer throwing his seed and it landed on all these different soils, the reality is that most farmers in, in Galilee at this time probably had all of those types of soils mixed in in their field. And so as they scattered the seed, they scattered it liberally, and uh, where it would grow, where it would land on good soil, it grew and produced fruit. Well, uh, Jesus is speaking to the crowd here about the kingdom, and he's explaining that uh, while the religious leaders might reject him and reject truth and reject the Messiah, that didn't change the truth of the matter and what was really true. I mean, they had called him Satan, but he says, listen, it's, it's still truth. It's just this, this parable is about the reception of that truth and the response to that truth. So let's look at the four soils that Jesus talks about here. We'll just kind of work our way through, starting in verse 4. First is the path. You know, he talks in verse 4, he, and as he sowed, the farmer sowed, some seeds fell along the path. Well, the path obviously is where everyone would have walked. It would have been beaten down, kind of trodden pretty hard. And so the seed that fell on the path, the birds came along and just devoured them. This, this is hard ground. It's packed dirt. It, it's like a trail that over time everything gets trampled out. And eventually the ground gets so firmly packed down that just nothing grows there anymore. Well, the seed that landed on the path, uh, it, it just laid there until the birds came along for a snack. Well, then he goes on uh, to the second type of soil. In verse 5, he says, Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they didn't have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil, but... When the sun rose and they were scorched, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. This is the rocky ground. Uh, this would be my yard, if you wanted to know. Uh, basically, a gravel pit. Um, that's, that's where I live. It's basically a gravel pit. Uh, I, I tilled up some ground for Hannah just the other night and, uh, in order to plant a small garden. And basically, in front of the tiller, it was just a small meteor shower of rocks, just ting, 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 hitting the house, going all over the place, just tilling through this rocky soil. It's sandy and gravelly, and unless you drench it with water, anything that grows in it doesn't last for very long. So like grass seed, for instance, right? I mean, grass, you can plant grass in, in the soil around my house, and it'll pop up quickly from the ground. And then it does great, actually, for a season until it quits raining. And so in June, in May and June, I've got a nice lawn, but come August, I've got a yard. 
and it just crunches under your feet and it withers and goes away. Thankfully, grass is resilient, so by late September, uh, I'm back closer to the lawn category again as things begin to grow, uh, basically because I just don't want to pay the water bill to water it all summer long. But uh, honestly, the rocky ground Jesus talks about here is a whole lot worse than, than my yard. What he's talking about here uh, is the land of Israel and in Galilee, and much of that land is rocky to the point that the soil is filled with rocks of, of all sizes. And what happens in many places is that just below the surface of the soil, sometimes only a, a couple inches, is just solid rock. And, and so if, if you plant seed, it takes root, it shoots up, but then uh, it holds moisture for a little bit, but then as soon as the sun comes out, that moisture is wicked out and, and plants wither quickly in some of that soil as well. Uh, imagine covering your driveway. If you've got a cement driveway, cover it with a couple inches of, of dirt, of topsoil, and, and plant some seeds and water it. And then imagine, you know, they're probably going to pop up pretty quick in the heat of the summer, but then as soon as that baby dries out, they're gone. They're just going to wither and die. Why? Because their root doesn't get established. That's the rocky soil Jesus is talking about. Well, um, next he goes on to a third soil where he talks about other seeds falling among thorns. Your translation might actually say weeds. be the same idea. The, the thorns grew up, the weeds grew up, and choked them. Uh, again, these seeds, they also began to take root. They began to grow, but the weeds and the thorns grew up around them faster than the seeds grew, and they choked them out. Uh, no farmer, I mean, would intentionally scatter his seed into a whole bunch of briars and weeds, right? Uh, so again, this, this refers to seed just falling among seeds or roots of thorns that hadn't been destroyed, and, and so when they sprout up, they, they rob the seeds of nutrition and, and even shade it from the sun, and the seed never makes it. You know, back to my yard again, I'm, I'm hoping to spray here in a couple of days with some Trimec and kill all the weeds that have popped up too to make room for the, the grass to grow. And uh, my goal one day is to have a, a really nice lawn just all year long, all the way around. But I don't know if it'll ever happen. It takes a lot of work continually killing the weeds that want to choke out the grass. Well, some of the seed that Jesus talks about here is choked out by the weeds. And then finally, he mentions the fourth soil, the good soil. He says other seeds fell on good soil and they produced grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. You know, he tells us about the seed that fell in the good soil to wrap up. And it grew too, but it continued to grow. It didn't just pop up and, and wither, but it, it continued growing. And it produced fruit, in this case, grain. And, and every seed had a different yield. You know, some was really fruitful, a hundredfold. Some pretty fruitful, 60-fold. Some, some fruit, 30-fold. It wasn't really a matter of whether and of how much fruit it produced, just that it did produce fruit, did produce grain. That made the soil it grew in good. It, it flourished. Uh, and then he goes on in verse 9. He says, He who has ears, let him hear. Well, he's not just saying if you have two ears, but he who has ears, 
listen up, pay attention. It's like Psalm 95, right? 95 verse 7, today, if you would hear his voice, don't harden your heart. That's what Jesus is saying. He's teaching us something here. So again, uh, what's he teaching us? If you're curious and you're not quite sure, you're in good company because the disciples actually return to Jesus after this and they're like, hey, Jesus, what were you talking about? I don't get it. They come to him. Well, that's a good sign, even if they didn't get it, that they wanted to know because, again, they're leaning in. They're paying attention. They want to know exactly what Jesus was saying. Some of you already understand it. Some of you will understand it. And uh, hopefully there's none of you out there just right now dreaming of New Testament agronomy. But you're wanting to know what is Jesus teaching us here. So let's, let's talk about that. Thankfully, since the disciples asked, Jesus gives us a very clear explanation of what he's talking about here. Look, look at verse 18. If you have ears to hear, hear what Jesus says. Hear then this parable of the sower. He says in verse 19, When anyone hears the word, When he hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Now, I should back up just a little bit and say, first off, the sower in this parable is Jesus. And by extension, anyone, including you and I after him, uh, any of us who, who, who tell of who Jesus is and tell about his word and tell about the goodness and the grace of God, we're, we're sowing seed, right? We're sowing the seed of, of his word. Now, I think it's important for us to, to think, though, as we uh, start to understand what Jesus is teaching is some application to what he's teaching us. And that is, if, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're called to sow good seed, And in a day and age, especially like the the climate we're living in today, I would commend to you, be very careful what is the seed that you're sowing. What is it that you're throwing out on the ground? What is it that you're uh, throwing out on social media? Is, Is it the truth of God's word in great grace and love and patience and kindness with self control? Or is it. Uh, just kind of spouting off your opinion. You know, I was, I was looking at Ink Free earlier this morning and seeing some of the comments on there. Thankfully, I've never seen comments from anybody in our church, but I've seen comments on there and I just think, man, why would you say that in a public place with like literally your face and your name right emblazoned right next to something? Just wow. You gotta be careful what you're saying and what you're sowing. Sow the truth of God's word. Sow it with grace, especially during these days. Uh, And the seed, of course, the the thing to sow is the gospel. It's the truth of God's word. And when we sow good seed, all we need to do is sow as best we can. Throw it out there with grace, with love, with kindness. And then uh, God is the one who does the growing. Right? Paul tells that uh, to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, some plant, some water, some harvest, but God's the one who provides the growth. Our only responsibility is to be faithful, to open our mouths, to speak truth with, with grace, and then to let God's Spirit do the work. But I would just commend to you, if you're a follower of Jesus, uh, pay attention to what it is you're sowing in these days. But uh, let's keep going here because Jesus tells us what that uh, path is, actually the, the path. It's those with, with 
hearts that are so hard the truth never penetrates. See, the reality is you're going to spread seed. You're going to throw out the truth of the gospel. And for some, it's just not going to take root. It's just going to hit the ground and bounce off. Maybe you have friends or you have relatives who are like this, and all you can do is continue to love them, pray for them, care for them. And maybe, you know, sometimes the only way for seed to penetrate the hard path is really for total upheaval for things to just get totally broken up so that finally the seed can get into the ground and then uh, praying for also for, for lots of rain and lots of sun to make it grow and sustain. And listen, God can change hearts. So if you know someone and you've been reaching out to them and loving them and caring for them, but you're like, man, Josh, their heart, it's the path. Hey, keep throwing seed. Maybe even pray for some upheaval in their life so that the Spirit would reach them with the truth of the gospel. Well, Jesus goes on then in verse 20, and he talks about the next type of ground. He says, As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. These are people who initially, they respond with enthusiasm to the gospel. But over time, you find out the seed never seemed to have really taken root in their heart. It was, it was kind of like any other self-help thing. It was just shallow, and then it was on to the next thing. Because when trials came, when life got hard, they were scorched by the sun. They're really fired up. But sadly, when trouble comes, uh, it didn't last. So many people, sadly, are only 18 inches from heaven, some have said, right? From just knowing it in their head to having it take root in their heart. Uh, The gospel's a great idea. I like it. But then they never really seek Jesus and get rooted in the truth. Um, You know, as as we keep going here, too, I, I think it's important just to recognize that I don't think what Jesus is pointing out here as he talks about these different soils I don't think he's giving us like a fixed percentage of who's going to respond to the gospel and who's not. Like one in four is going to respond to the gospel and get saved. I don't think that's what he's telling us. I think he's simply, his point is that the problem isn't with the truth of God's word. It's it's the receptiveness of the soil. And, And the only way you really know if somebody's received it is not necessarily by this initial positive reaction, but it's by ongoing, long term fruit in their life the goal is is fruit love joy peace patience kindness gentleness self-control fruit in their lives and that takes time and so it's this ongoing thing and i think that's what jesus is trying to tell us there's a lot of different responses i don't think we want to be dogmatic about exactly well let's think here which soil is the good one which one who's jesus saying is saved only so many no 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 test the soil of your heart. Are are you responsive to the truth? Are you seeing fruit produced in your life? If not, start tilling the soil so that it would take deep root in you. And then pray for those to whom you scatter seed to, that they too, uh, that the the gospel would take root and produce fruit in their lives. Well, well, let's continue. We've gone from the path to the rocky soil, and now... uh, 
He goes on in verse 22, as for what was sown among the thorns or the weeds, this is the one who hears the word, but then the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And it proves, remember what I said about fruit? It proves unfruitful. It proves unfruitful. This is the person who hears the world, but word, excuse me, but the cares of the world just choke it out. The, the weeds, they rob nutrition. The thorns rob water and light and space from these newly sprouting seeds. And distractions and conflicts rob new believers of time to reflect on and digest God's word to grow. And uh, Jesus described these thorns as the cares of the world and the lure of wealth. And they choke out the, the good seed of the gospel. Well, finally, then Jesus talks about the fourth soil. He says, as for what is sown on good soil, that which lands on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed, see it? He indeed bears fruit and yields, and in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. He indeed bears fruit and yields. Notice, the seed in the good soil bears fruit. I wonder, are you bearing fruit? That's how you know the soil of your heart. Even the soil that bears a little fruit, Jesus calls good. And, and friends, uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, the fruit that you bear in the coming weeks, months, and years is going to reveal how you've allowed God to use these last few months in your life. Has it been a time where uh, he's got your attention and you've responded to him and, and you've allowed his word and this kind of just break from what was normal uh, to penetrate your heart and allow the spirit to change you and go deep and maybe reveal some, some tough things about your heart to you and, and allow you to trust Jesus more? And uh, see, the fruit of this will be born uh, later and you'll be able to look back and see uh, did I tell the soil, did I allow what God did to, to change me and for his truth to take root in me? Uh, friends, Jesus' parable is pretty clear, and so I don't have a whole lot more to add to that other than as we close here, let me just encourage you for a moment, where, wherever you're at, uh, to, to just bow your head, to close your eyes, Seriously, if you're with a group of people, just go ahead and do that now and just let, let me talk to you for a moment. Let your heart be still and just listen. Let, let's talk about your heart for a moment right now. What's the condition of the soil of your heart? Maybe right now your heart is, is hard. It, it's like the path. It's trodden. It's, it's beaten down. Hey, if that's you, and if you're still listening, it could be that God has orchestrated some of the upheaval in your life over the last months to cause things to finally crack in your life. It could very well be that God's plan and his call upon you right now is simply for you to finally trust him. 
and maybe all the upheaval of the last couple months is causing some cracks and he, he's trying to get your attention so that his word, his love, his grace, his hope, and his salvation could penetrate your heart and change you. For you, nothing's ever able to take root because nothing can get through that hardened shell. But maybe now's the time it can. If you find yourself in that spot, listen, for you, it's, it's a time to repent, which simply means to turn, to, to confess your sin to God, to confess your hard-heartedness, to ask him to forgive you, to turn to Jesus in faith. And friend, he will. And he will use this to absolutely change your life by the power of his word, the power of Jesus and his death, burial, resurrection and the power of his spirit working in you. Trust him. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart again. Maybe uh, your heart is like the rocky ground. You're, you're pretty fired up right now. Uh, and, or maybe you were pretty fired up at the beginning of this, but what happened was the struggle continued on and it endured on and on and on to the point that now uh, you're just seeing things kind of wither and you're out of steam. And you need uh, God's word to water your heart and to bring uh, life again. Uh, The roots haven't gone that deep. And you're feeling it right now. Well, again, if you're in that spot, again, the the answer is to repent. If you're a follower of Jesus, to to repent, to to turn back to him so that that he would change you and, and water you by the power of his word and his spirit and enrich you and rejuvenate you to follow him and trust him in the days ahead. If you've never trusted Jesus, uh, then, then your response is maybe not just to be fired up about learning things about Jesus, but to actually trust him. Maybe your heart, uh, though, is like the thorns and the weeds. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, what happens for you is... Uh, that when things open up, these, these months have been good for you, but when things begin to open up now and the cares of the world begin to creep back in, uh, some things are going to get choked out if you're not vigilant to guard your heart. It's been a good time for you spiritually, but will it last or will it get choked out? I mean, has this all really been a reset for you or just a phase? Again, cling to Jesus. Cling to his word. Go to him in prayer. Join us next Sunday morning. Gather with us. Get plugged into a life group. Don't let this just be a phase. Let this be a true reset in your life where the the thorns and the weeds are killed off and you grow and flourish and produce fruit. Now, if you find your heart in any of those spots and you're still breathing, The point isn't to say, oh, you're bad soil, you're doomed. No, the point is you're still breathing. That soil can be cultivated into good soil if you would trust Jesus Christ. For some of you, that means trusting him for the first time. For others, it means responding to his word, obeying it, not shrugging it off, not forgetting to love your neighbor, but putting it into practice. So again, I just ask before we pray together, 
How's the soil of your heart today in these days? Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he does teach us in engaging ways through parables so that uh, we remember these things and be able to think on them and continue to be taught by your spirit uh, as we dwell on the truth. And Lord, I pray for all of my friends, old and new watching this morning. Lord, as they examine their own hearts and what the soil is like in their heart, I, I, I pray for them. I pray, uh, first I pray for those Jesus who've never trusted you and, and Friends, if that's you watching right now, becoming a Christian isn't about getting your life all together. It's not about getting everything in line and uh, cleaning everything up and then finally coming to Jesus like the, as if you do all the tilling of the soil. No, it's, it's repenting of your sin, going to Jesus, and then he provides the growth. He changes you. And if you've never done that, it's very simple. All you need to do is believe to turn and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ because uh, we're told, Scripture is very clear, anyone who would, uh, who would believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on the cross for your sin and, and God raised him from the dead, if you believe that in your heart, confess it with your mouth, you will be saved and then you're made new. So if that's you, it's just very simple, just praying, uh, Jesus, uh, I need you. I need your seed of the gospel to take root deep in my heart. I want it to grow and produce fruit so that you would change me. Would you save me? I believe you're the son of God. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe that your death was because of my sin and that you forgive me. If you would confess that to him in prayer, he promises to save you and make you new and produce fruit in your life commend him to you. And Father, I pray for my friends who have trusted you. Lord, as we uh, begin to uh, come back into a new reality of, of getting engaged in the community, of, of gathering again together as a church, Lord, there are so many uh, different responses we could have. We could respond with, uh, with anger. We could respond with fear. But instead, would you, uh, by the power of your spirit and by the power of your word, would, would you root uh, your truth and your peace deep within us? Give us the courage to do what we need to do to cultivate the soil of our hearts so that your word would, would penetrate and would change us and allow us to bear fruit 30, 60, 100 fold that as a church we would come back in unity and in grace and love so that the, the gospel would shine so bright to those who are in need of it. Jesus, thanks for this time. It's been hard, but we know that you're good and that you have purpose in all of it and that you can work it all for great good in the end. We trust you to do that. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I can't wait to see you next Sunday. You are love.